Welcome back to another edition of Pod Jerky. I'm your host, Tom, and today we have a special guest on the show, and his name is Darren Bruce. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. So Darren is actually part of the DJ Sessions, which is a live stream podcast series which features electronic music DJs with live mixes and interviews streamed to a live global audience. Do you want to get right into talking about that? Definitely. You know, the thing about our show is we've been doing our show for 10 years and it's so great to see so many people getting into the industry of podcasting and live streaming. One of the goals of our show is to make sure that people that don't know how to get into the industry can get into the industry. So you doing your podcast, us doing our podcast, we're all family together and making sure everything gets sent out there. And it's just a great feeling. So you know. absolutely. So what got you to want to start getting into the podcasting? Well, we came from a broadcast television world, and in the time, there was no way to disseminate your content unless you paid a bunch of money to be on broadcast television and played that game. Set the way forward clock to 2005-ish, and YouTube came into play, and everyone started putting their videos online. And then when I was working for Apple, podcasting came out. And podcasting came out of blogs, then people started doing video blogs, and we said, hey, let's do this video blog. We can now disseminate our things and have people subscribe to them and watch our shows. And so we moved our whole platform from a broadcast television world to an online world where people could subscribe to it and then have the shows downloaded if they subscribe to us to their podcast. YouTube, you had to go and watch. With a podcast, you could subscribe and then it would automatically download. So we saw a niche there that we could fulfill for audiences that said, we want this content delivered to us rather than having to go and search for it. Right. Now, did you find that you got a much bigger following from switching over to that? Well, it was interesting at the time. We actually looked at YouTube at the time, coming from a broadcast world, of saying people are still flipping the channel or changing the channel or going to the channel. They were channel surfing to a model they could subscribe to and then the content would be downloaded and they could assimilate the content when they wanted to. And that was a big shift in the industry. In the, in the film and television game, where you had to be and watch a show when it happened to now I can get a show when I want to and it's already there because I'm interested in it and then I can watch it at my own leisure. It was a big shift in the industry in 2005. I mean, I don't know if anyone could predict that happening other than, to me, one of the greatest guys in the world, Steve Jobs, knew this was going to happen with the advent of the iPod and going into the iPhone and making it a communication device that could download what you wanted, when you wanted it, at your fingertips. As a matter of fact, working for Apple back in the day and Steve Jobs, one of his things, if you go back and see what he's saying, he said, we want to make Apple the hub of your internal lifestyle. We want to make it the hub where you have your photos, your music, your movies, your computer, and everything was at your fingertips. We want to make this so easy for you to get. So seeing in that vision of what Steve Jobs believed in, we kind of followed the wavelength of saying, we wanted to make our shows also easy to get, easy to assimilate, easy to watch. And all you had to do is hit subscribe and you'll get that content that you're looking for. Right. And and I just did an interview with a digital marketer, actually. And what he was saying was that you have to kind of follow the trends that are going on at that certain point in time. So mm -hmm. 
what was going on from when you first started out to switching over to Apple, the, the Apple platform and getting your podcast just to be able to have somebody to subscribe to it and download it actually just changed, I guess, the whole game there. And absolutely, you're totally correct on that. Is for five years, all we did was podcast, podcast. We moved from a broadcast television model of working with Fox and NBC and putting our shows on the television networks to moving to a digital platform of podcasting. And then in 2009, we shifted our whole model to a live streaming network, working with Ustream and Livestream and becoming a feature partner with both of those channels. And we started to live stream our content. And in that, it opened up a whole new platform where we're live right now and here we go. And for eight years, we broadcasted live like a radio station would. And we were outside of that whole broadcast realm. And then in 2018, Twitch brought us on as a featured partner. And they recognized this as one of the only live streaming DJ shows that was regularly doing things all the time. And that's kind of where it all kind of took off for us. And it was just an awesome transition to move from post-production to a live production. Um, you probably do like pre-recorded shows and a lot of people do, but going to a live production, it's kind of like, you gotta be on the flow. You gotta be kind of on the go. And it's just interesting how technology has progressed over the last 10 years to get us to a point where we can actually make content, disseminate it, put it out there. It's live and everyone watch and it's ready to go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, speaking of doing live shows, we are actually holding a live podcast convention this upcoming weekend where we're all going to be live streaming to our um, group that we're in and we're just going to stream all of these podcasts for 24 hours straight so i mean the live stream thing is interesting we haven't tried it before we're hoping it goes off without a hitch um, we figured yeah. out how to get it going but you know the live stream thing is pretty cool we've done a couple of live shows where i've gone on with other podcasts it's not video chat but it is just an audio chat but it's a live stream we actually did one last night so they're actually interesting the one thing i like about the pre-recorded stuff is that you get to edit that but with with the live stream, you get that raw, actual, sincere recording that's coming out, right? Being a person that's been in the post-production world for so many years, when we transferred to a live format, I was so nervous because I'm an editor and I want everything to go out being perfect. I want the audio to be perfect. I want the lighting to be perfect. I want the show to be perfect. I want the audience to be perfect. And then I said, you know what? We're going to switch to a live format. And a lot of people said, Darren, do you know what you're going to be like on camera? Can you do that all the time? Can you be like that? Can you deliver the product on camera every single time? And I'm like, I can rise to the challenge. I can do that. And that's the one thing you have to understand when you move to a live platform or a live stream platform, it's a whole new world because post-production, we can create magic. I've created magic for 25 years. I mean, I've been in the game for 28 years and we control the narrative. We control everything about it. We can edit the audio. We can add the music. We can add everything. But when you're live, it's free for all. But the audience, I believe, loves that. They want to know this isn't a contrived, this isn't a, a boxed in, I would say even an animal cracker type of scenario. You don't know what cookies you're going to get out of the box. It could be something happens. If something goes wrong, hey, that's how it goes. This is live and I'm still delivering it to you. Let's have some fun. Right. It comes off more real and more genuine when you're not doing all the edits because I noticed that when we edit, we're the same way. We want to have the perfection there. We want a good quality sounding product to go out. But at the same time, people like to hear something being genuine as well. And they know we're human beings. We do make mistakes. And if we cut out all of the mistakes, 
then they're going to say, you know what, that they edited that down so much because nobody talks perfectly all the time. The one thing that I love about our show is I have DJs that come and play a set. And in a set, the keyword when you're playing the DJ mix, it's called a train wreck. And if they, they don't mix the set properly, train wrecks. And I say, hey, you're on my show. If you played and I don't have to look over at you, like over my shoulder and say, uh, did you just mess up? And they come back and say, did I mess up on the set? I said, did I look at you? Well, did I look at you? They, no. I said, then you didn't mess up. And it's just, you know, people want perfection, but life isn't perfect. And live streaming on this new medium that we're getting into is a perfect way to show that life isn't perfect. We're all natural people and we all want to be who we want to be. So if we can show people in the best way we can, putting our best foot forward, that we can all work together and make something happen without trying to be perfect in the studio sense of what Hollywood or what the industry would want to make us be, then we're all going to get along. Right. I agree with you. Now, you are an executive producer for the DJ sessions. Do you want to kind of explain to everybody what that's all about? Yeah. The DJ sessions is a show that features A-list celebrity DJs and local DJs. We do this in a live streaming podcast format. We've been doing the show for 10 years and basically our mission is to give an opportunity to talent that would normally not get a chance to expose themselves or get out there through common means. It started back in the day when I was on television and people couldn't just rise to the top and be put on MTV or VH1 or be in the mix. And then all of a sudden this thing called, as we all know, the internet came in and this thing called YouTube came out. But even then to set up a studio and set up an environment where they had to bring in cameras and gear and a film and television production, I said, hey, let me take my production background. Let me be the guy who can facilitate that production background in film and television. And you just do the music. I'll film it. I'll produce it. I'll distribute it. And let's get it out there. And the end, end goal was they got to play outside of their normal environment. And I got to distribute that to the world. We're going to take a quick break to show some love to another podcast. Every 73 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted in the United States. We are here to tell you, you are not alone. Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, tells the stories of victims and survivors of true crime with a focus on the support these survivors need. We provide information for those who have endured trauma and for those who love someone who has. Tune in every Sunday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear these stories of hope, survival, and empowerment. No one should go through this alone. We believe you. That was Sarah from Blackbird, an advocacy podcast. Make sure you tune in and hit that subscribe button. Now, when you're doing these kind of uh, events that you're holding right now, I've watched a couple of your videos on the DJ Sessions website, and you're doing these kind of videos. I've seen actually some that are actually in, I guess, mobile, you would call it. Correct. Um, you have uh, DJs actually in almost like a booth that's set up on the back of a car. Uh, you'd be in there sometimes with them. I saw a couple of them that you had uh, people in there dancing. I guess now because of COVID, you have to separate more than you would have to normally. But how does that work with just the mobile thing. 
So what you're talking about is the DJ session presents the mobile session. And that was born out of an idea 10 years ago that I came up when I got an advertising vehicle that's called a, a mobile billboard truck. And we took this big glass box vehicle and we turned it into a television studio so that we could roll up to the parties. And then we had a television studio that we could interview everyone and have DJs playing in the back. Set the Waycock forward, we now can actually drive around and have that television studio mobile driving through the streets. We even, back in the day, could, I proposed the idea of saying, hey, let's do a show called The DJ Sessions Presents The Freeway Sessions, the fastest moving DJ show in the world. And what we're going to do is we're going to take DJs and have them play in the back of the truck while we're driving down the freeways and having through like city to city, having DJs play in the back of the truck. Totally new, innovative concept of, of what you couldn't do. I mean, if you wanted to buy a mobile studio truck to broadcast on the news, you're looking at $300,000 to $500,000. We did this for the mere price of about $15,000. We built one of the first ever mobile live streaming studios that could stream live to the internet and disseminate that through, at the time, Ustream was our partner and say, hey, we're on site. Here's the future. Here's what we're going to do. And we wanted to inspire other people to also do that. And it's funny, we, we were actually picked up and Kevin Smith, who's one of my all-time idols, a great guy, actually featured us, talked about us in one of his first modcasts saying, this is a great idea. These guys are doing something really cool. And that was 10 years ago, but the technology has moved forward to allow all of us to be able to go out there, film, make a show, do what we want to do on site and disseminate to the world. Right. Like I've never heard of that happening. Like, I don't know if that's happening here or if it's happening just like with your company. I've never heard of a mobile DJ booth or a studio set up and being able to go wherever they wanted to, to actually stream live music. So the concept is brilliant to me. And not only on top of that, when we take our mobile booth to places, we're also able to set up a party and just do a, a what's called a pop-up party through a technology that we use called Silent Disco and actually have people use our Silent Disco headsets and we can have multiple DJs playing at the same time at our pop-up party without the need of amplified music or anything. And they can tune into our channels and then listen to what's going on with multiple people playing, giving not only an experience of live streaming all of that online, but also giving the public a chance to be involved with the show and what we got going on. Right. I was actually going to ask you about the uh, silent parties that you're able to do, and you just kind of explained it there. And what I was reading about was that it allows you to be able to play music without going into any noise limitations or breaking any laws there. Where did you come up with that idea? Uh, it was about two years ago when we were throwing these rooftop parties. We were throwing these brilliant rooftop parties, and everyone loved it. And I come from a long line of going to nightclubs. I mean, we're talking 28 years of going into nightclubs and seeing the action. And but when you go to a nightclub, you walk in the door at 10 o'clock, club ends at 2 o'clock, but you got one DJ playing, two DJs playing, and then the headliner plays. When I came into Silent Disco and I saw it, it resonated with me. And something that's very close to me is I'm a foodie. I like yeah. a lot of food. So I'm a buffet kind of guy. And so when I walk in, I don't want to go in and just say, give me that one dish. I like to have a lot of dishes in front of me. 
So when Silent Disco came in and I saw that I could not only listen to this station, but I could listen to that station. I could listen to that station. I could choose what I want to do when I go to an electronic music event. It appealed to me in a sense of saying, wow, I could have this on my platter, this on my platter, and this on my platter, and I could join the mix with these people and these people. Imagine having, you know, Asian cuisine, American cuisine, Szechuan cuisine, or whatever it is on the menu and you get a sample anything you want just by pushing a button on the headset and dance and be connected with those people in that moment that's what appealed to me the silent disco aspect of electronic music saying we could bring a lot of people together without being segregated from their own genre by putting them all in one place and we can all come together and dance and have fun Right. Now, the other thing that I was actually reading up on was state of industry and secret sessions. And what are those two things? So the state of industry session is really bringing together people that are in the industry, sitting them down on the couch, doing a 2020 interview of saying, hey, what's going on with you? It goes back to our roots of the original show of the DJ sessions, where we used to do interviews with the DJs, with the producers, just interviewing them and talking to them about what's going on with them and their lives. Now, the State of the Industry Sessions was one of those shows where we would bring an industry professional on and say, hey, let's sit you down on the couch. Let's talk to you for an hour and ask you some questions about what's going on. What's happening here? Can you really get inside their mind? Do you really know what's going on with them? Do you really know what's happening with the industry professionals behind the scenes? Because there's hundreds of people that work behind the scenes, that their voice doesn't get heard. And that was the state of the industry sessions, to get to work with those professionals, say, hey, how's it going today for you? Think of it like this today. We just went through in America, and I don't know where your podcast is from, but I'm assuming it's in America. We just went through Saturday and Sunday, which are traditionally, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, traditionally weekend jobs. In the industry, you have Monday and Tuesday is there Friday and Saturday. They get to go out Monday. They get to go out Tuesday. And so we wanted to do a show that would talk to those people, say, what do you experience on the weekend? What happens to you on the weekend? What do you go through on the weekend? What it's like to be a weekend producer, but come back on Monday and Tuesday and say, let's talk to you and see what you're feeling and, and share that experience with the rest of the world. What are some of the DJs, like you work with a lot of DJs that come to the DJ sessions and to some of these mobile parties and stuff like that. I've seen uh, Darude has actually come on to one of them. Who are some of the major DJs that you've had collaborations with that people would have a general idea of who they are, not to take anything away from the local DJs, but some of the major DJs that you would have on your show um, that you've actually worked with? Oh, Darude has been one of our ardent fans. He's been one of the, our supporting guys that has come on board. I remember the first episode of when he came by and he played our original first rooftop sessions 10 years ago. And even Dave Dresden, who is now one of the world's top Dresden and Gabriel, just are blowing it up all over Twitch. And, you know, when, when Dave Dresden came by and played our bedroom, when we set up our original studio, I knew I was onto something. And I was just like, we can reach out to a lot of people that were wanting to do this. And pre-COVID stuff, nobody, I mean, we're talking about 1% of the world, 1% of the DJ world was streaming online. Now, post-COVID, 99% of the DJ world is streaming online. And it's it's very am amazing to see. We were doing this for 10 years, trying to tell people, hey, we're doing this. Now everyone's on it. So it's very interesting to see that transition happen 
to now say how many people, how many notable people have read the show. We've had a hundred episodes that I just put my assistant on to go back and reach out to these people and say, what are you doing now? Can we get you back on the show? Can we have, can we talk to you about what you've experienced before all this? And, and now what are you doing? And we've got an amazing positive response from so many people saying, we would love to do an interview with you. We'd love to come back on your show because a lot of people, they're doing their thing. Nobody is reaching out like what you're doing with me right now in an interview asking for an interview asking right. to talk to them what is going on with you they're doing their thing but nobody is talking to them like you and i are doing right now and that's this is amazing this is where we need to start bridging that gap of saying let's go and say hi sit down with you can we take a moment from the dj and the stuff and say what's really going on with you can we get an interview and that's where the dj session is coming in and making sure that interview process still happens which goes back to our core root of introducing the public to the world and letting them identify with the person they're listening to. That's interesting that you say it because the the digital marketer that I was speaking with in another episode was saying, always get to know the person, no matter what they're doing. He was a musician as well, still is. And he said, you know, I, I don't want you to follow me as a musician. I want you to get to know the person first. So having podcasts where you actually get to sit down and talk about their personal stuff is something that people get to know behind the scenes of what you're actually doing. That was always at the core of the mission of the DJ sessions because you would see a DJ and you come to a club, you pay for an admission ticket, you get in there, you dance to the music, you'd say, I love you. This is what's going on. And then she or he would go back to the hotel room. And yes, you paid the price of admission for the show. The DJ sessions on this hand, other on the other hand would come into the club, set up, talk to them for five or seven minutes, and be a PR model to say, here's what we're gonna do. Here he is, or here she is, this is the person. But we're live, here it's going, check him out. And that's, I believe, what's missing right now. Now, maybe, maybe in the next two years, maybe two years, three years, they'll start to get that PR model to it. But for right now, they're just plain set and nobody's talking to them. The questions I have, just as a reporter myself, is why did you choose that song? Why did you set your setup like that? What are you doing right now? And it could even say is, what did you eat for lunch today? Well, we have social media. We have Twitter. We have Facebook, we have Instagram. And so these DJs now, before where my news reporting used to get that information, they now can say, I just ate, you know, I just ate this food for lunch. Check out my post. Hashtag. I'm like, well, you just put me out of a job because I'm supposed to be the guy that tells people that's what you just ate for lunch. Right. But they still need to do that on top of us doing our job. So it's very, very interesting in, in the time of live dissemination or social media dissemination of a product at the end of the day. And those that actually accept that and can move forward to that, they're going to come out as the winners in the end. If you, if you don't do the social media trend, if you don't follow into that, it's going to be very difficult to build it and you'll be left in the dust. That's my opinion on it. We're going to take another break to help out another podcast. Ever get that light bulb over your head at midnight that just goes ding? If that's the sound a light bulb makes. Or any idea that you probably shouldn't post on social media, but the public definitely needs to know. 
Unless you're a vegetable, you probably do. That's why our panel of non-experts do it for you. Our seamless flow of humor to science and information will keep you engaged and wanting more. Side note, we even have our very own shaman. That's Psyche-Delic-Podcast. All of our links are on Linktree. That's L-A-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash the Psyche-Delic-Podcast. Now, with DJs um, that you work with, do you do international DJs? Are you usually work with DJs that are inside of the U.S. or from around the world? Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. We work with all the, so we're based out of Seattle and a lot of DJs come into our city or used to come into our city and play shows. And we'd have an average of anywhere between 20 to 30 A-list celebrity DJs come into the city. So as a PR arm, we would say, hey, let's get you on the show. Let's have you come over here. Now that this has all changed, our outreach is to say, who has come out on the show before? Let's go out and get them on the show. Let's talk to them. And let's go back out and let's do some online, like our interview right now that's happening. Let's talk to you and find out what's going on with you. Because a lot of these guys and girls are just plain, but nobody's talking to them. Nobody's asking them a question. Now, again, social media and things like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they can post and say, dick, 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 you know, type in the keyboard. I'm making spaghetti today. Their PR agent in the old school world is now has now become their social media outlet. And we're on a mission right now to reach out to them and say, hey, would you like to have an interview? Would you like to have somebody talk to you? And the response has been great. We just did an interview not too long ago with Tidy, and he's at his house in LA. And, you know, he's just chilling in his house, doing his thing, and I'm on the phone, we're doing a Zoom interview, and it was just, it was fun. Yeah, and I watched that interview actually this morning. I was actually watching Thank that you. interview this morning. So um, I can see like he's doing kind of the same thing. You're doing the podcast. You're just having a normal conversation with him and talking about himself personally. Yes. And and, and again, in, in our business, the DJs or the producers, somebody needs to go in and do that. And we're trying to facilitate that and say, let's go talk to these people. Let's go see what's going on with them. And if you saw the interview, I mean, it's a good 14 minute interview. He's talking about painting. He's talking about doing artwork. He's talking about what else am I doing? That's not part of his DJ show. That's not a part of him producing tracks for movies and everything. He's just a guy who's like, hey, I'm having fun. And what else can I show the world? That's what we want to capture. That right. is the essence of and, real people doing real things. Yeah. And I think that's what interests a lot of people, too, is because they know certain people for whatever art they're providing, whether it's movies or if it's DJing music, whatever it is. And they want to get to know behind the scenes kind of thing. And it would be no different than a podcast host where you listen to a podcaster all the time. And what our live show was last night was uh, get to know the podcast host. So get to know us personally. We went through over health issues and we went over our jobs that we have for regular jobs and, you know, a, a whole bunch of stuff like that. So it was just kind of get to know you. And I think that's what a lot of people have interest in. Absolutely. 100%. And at the core of the DJ sessions, what we used to do, or what we will get back to doing once again, we start bringing people back on the show is talking to people and saying, hey, where can people find out more information about you? What can you do to facilitate? It's not just about the music. It, the music is so beautiful, what these people do, but who they are. You want to get to know them. And it's not through a Facebook post or a Twitter post or an Instagram. Who are you really? Can I identify with that person and who they really are? And we've had a long 
history of, I wouldn't say success, but a feeling of they just all want to say, yes, we want to be able to voice ourselves. And it's, it's just a, such an awesome endeavor to try to do and, and make that happen. And we've been doing it for 10 years and we're not going to stop. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm going to make one correction because you said that I was from the States. I'm actually from Canada. Oh. So you are actually going uh, Canadian here. Oh, and... yes. We're going international. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you if, do you know, like DJs, you usually deal with the EDM music genre. Are you into oh. like other DJs? Do you speak with other DJs? Have you had any DJs from Canada that have come out and played on your shows? Like on, on your, Oh, um... we, we've had DJ, we've had DJs from all over the world. Come on. And, and like I said before, the DJs would come to Seattle because the, the promoters would book them. They come to Seattle and then we would request PR interviews with them. And so, like I said, Darude has played on a show five times. He was one of our staple guys that would come on and play. Dave Dresden playing in the bedroom. I mean, yeah, he's a United States DJ. But we feature all DJs from around the world. And now what's happening because of everything that's going on, we're now starting to outreach to the DJs from around the world and saying, hey, would you like to come on the show? You can do a home interview but you could also do a home set from around the world. And we've got some very positive responses from DJ saying, I would love to do that and make that happen. You know, there's no touring, there's no live entertainment that's going on, there's no festival. So in a PR sense, you can play your shows from home all you want, but from a PR sense, who's still keeping the news going alive? I mean, I'm the guy that will say, hey, what'd you eat today? Did you eat bacon and eggs? Or did you make grits? Or did you eat, you know, bangers and mash or what did you do around your house today nobody's having that conversation right now they're all just playing music playing music playing music which is awesome but somebody has to be out there asking the question of how are you feeling and it's not about a whole how you're feeling with this change it's how you're adjusting what's going on what's happening with you and that's what we want to facilitate and that's a fantastic idea i, I agree with what you're doing there have you ever heard of a dj that's out of canada his name is dj chemo no, I have not. But you know what? There's a lot of DJs in the world and we want every single one of them to appear on our show. So, yeah, so we actually did an interview with him on social media. You know, he just talked about the same thing. We were just talking, you know, a little bit about the music and then a little bit about how he was. Uh, we did it over WhatsApp. We didn't actually get a recording in on it because we were doing an episode on the band that the group that he had belonged to, which was the Rascals. And that was a big Canadian hip hop group that uh, was in the 90s. And he was producer. He was the DJ of that uh, group. And he was just fantastic. And it was just nice to sit down and have a conversation, even though it was over social media uh, we didn't get the chance to do a recording but it was a real conversation and it was a genuine conversation exactly and and i'll tell you everyone i've ever met no matter what you think when you get an outside opinion of being in the crowd, but when you go backstage, when you get to meet these people, they are actually the most genuine, awesome, down to earth. I've never met an ego trip in my life with anyone that's ever been on our shows. You can look at our roster, anyone that's on our A-list DJ website, have anyone saying, I'm too good for that, or I'm too, they're like, I could ask these guys out and girls out for breakfast the next morning, and they would have said, let's go get some bacon and eggs. And I was like, cool, let's go do it. They they were just so willing to say we're some really cool people. So I want to meet that person. It was a chemo. 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 Yeah. I want to meet uh, him. I assume him. 
Yep. I want to meet him and bring him on the show and let's do an episode. Please get on our show. Come over here. Let me interview and just be part of this collective of electronic music that has grown to be one of the forefront of genres in the world. Yes, for sure. Like definitely. I can try and put you in contact with him and, and see if you guys can get something hooked up. That would be awesome. Yeah. So I was actually reading on, I guess, your Facebook page that you you try and help people with what the best practices and methods are podcasting and live streaming you allow them to contact you this is a free service and they can reach out to you do you want to give a couple of tips for that well here's what i say to that 98 percent of my information that i got i learned and it was my always my mission to always make sure that information gets disseminated back to the industry i will never hold any secrets other than what i call my rolodex which means i won't give my contacts in the industry to people, but anything that can make your show better that I could do, I will do everything I can and be there for them, nurse them, hold them, handle them, treat them in the, because you know why? I went through all of that. And I had people that in the beginning of my first days, they'd say, pay us $2,500 and we can make you great. And I'm like, uh, no. I'm not going to do that. I'll go learn it. I'll go to Barnes and Noble and read a book. I'll go to the library. I'll go to the internet now and I'll learn how to do it myself. And I just try to kickstart people to make sure they don't have to go through those pains and aches and everything. But there is one thing I just can't give. And that's my Rolodex. You know, unfortunately, I just can't give you my Twitch connection. I can't give you my YouTube connection. I can't just say, here you go. Let me put your face with the name and do that. But everyone that knows me knows that's what I'm about. And that's what the original mission was to uplift everyone in the community to make sure they can do a better show. They can disseminate. They can distribute. They can do and if they have a question about how to do it, I'm right there for them. Especially when it comes to copyright. Oh, that's a big one right now. Everyone's wondering about why you know copyright is cutting them all down. And I'm like, but you have to get your licenses. And they're like, well, Facebook should get the licenses. Twitch should pay for licenses. Like, that's not how copyright works out. <laughs> that's not how copyright law works. So for the last four months, I've had probably 150 conversations on people coming to me saying, how did you get around it? How do you do that? How does this happen? How's this? We're being shut down. This is I'm like, well, did you pay for your licenses? And like, no. Like, okay, well, here's how it goes. This is how much it'll cost. And they're like, well, we can't do it if we have to pay. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a very, it's interesting. I mean, we use uh, music on our, some of our podcasts. We've done a um, five part Canadian music series with some of the bigger um, stars that have been out in Canada in the 90s. And we've reached out to them. We've had a couple on the show and we've actually asked their permission to use the music. And they said, yeah, you know what? You go right ahead. You can use any music that you want to. But most of the times for copyright, you do have to go through that licensing fee. What people don't understand when it comes to licensing is audio. Uh, well, first of all, performance has its thing. ASCAP, BMI, CSAC. That's a great thing. But people don't understand there is what's called sync licensing and master use licensing and if you stream live you have to get the sync and master use for that but then when it goes to video on demand as a podcast you have to get sync and master use for that so you always have to go through four different licensing processes and then you have to get permission from everyone that owns that song that's a publisher in order to use that song and there's no umbrella to this there's no blanket license i paid this fee and i got the right and a lot of the djs out there are 
unfortunately think, well, I paid 99 cents for this song so I could play it. So that gives me the right because I paid the money. It's like you paid for the money to use that in your house. You didn't even get the performance rights on that. Unfortunately, you didn't. It's a bitter pill to swallow when they realize, oh, what did I get into here? And I mean, I've been hated upon for it just by trying to explain the actual nature of copyright law. And they want to force it on, it should be Facebook and it should be Twitch. It should be these other industries that should do this. And like, no, they're actually obeying copyright law. It's not them that's doing this. It's the copyright law that is making that happen. And they go, how do you get around it, Darren? Well, we have some magic. We're pretty cool. We got our licenses. It's costly. Let me put it that way. It's yeah. pretty costly. It costs a lot to do this. Yeah. Again, I mean, people that are just starting out in podcasting, some of them don't know the rules. Some of them do. Uh, some people choose not to use any of the music files inside of their podcasts. And I mean, that's just, just the way it is. I mean, I know people do still use it and they're going to use it until the day they get caught. But when they get caught, it's going to cost them a lot of money to be using that type of music. It won't even catch them. The wor- the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to get a cease and desist. And the cease and desist is going to say, take it down. And when you get a cease and desist that says, we're going to stop this or we're going to sue you. And they say, no, I'm going to keep it up. Then they send another letter and says, fine, you want to keep it up? Here's a $100,000 lawsuit. And they think the average podcaster who's basically doing this probably as a hobby. I mean, out of the back room of the bedroom. They're like, I'm being sued for $100,000 for using four seconds of a song in my podcast and they're like okay I'll take it down then one of that episode had millions of downloads and it's one of the best episodes and they say well wait a second didn't I help you out didn't I help promote you and the publishers say it doesn't matter you still used our stuff without asking us for permission to use our stuff had you asked us maybe we would have been cool but at the time the podcaster they didn't know their episode was going to have a million downloads so it's a very influx of this thing that how do you get around it how do you do it i won't name names but i have major corporations that i work with and they said if we promote you if we put you to the front page of our website do you know what kind of can of worms it's gonna this is gonna open up for you and i said fine i'm ready to deal with those can of worms and they said are you really (laughs) and i said yes okay I, i am and they said do you know they can come back at you for the 450 episodes you have on our site and i went okay and then they said do you know they can come back at you for the other 1300 episodes that you have on your site and i went okay damn oh oh this this is big so i had to say okay don't put us at the front page of your site don't put us there Please let us figure this out. And I've spent the last six months figuring it out to where now we can say, okay, you can put us on the front page of your website. We're all clear. We got the licenses. We're cool. But a lot of other people out there, they won't do that. And then they will get disenfranchised because they will get shut down because of copyright protection. So you are one of, I guess, a feature partner with Twitch. Yes, when I we think are. of Twitch, when I think of Twitch, we usually think about, I guess, video game streamers on there. How did you get into Absolutely. contact with Twitch? Twitch and how did you get to become so popular with Twitch? That's a great question. Ah, oh, 
thank you for asking that. Mm. So at the time, uh, we were working with Ustream and GoDaddy. Those are our two feature partners that we work with. And Go uh, GoDaddy was like, oh, you're on a shared hosting app. You're all cool. And Ustream was like, you're a feature partner. Here you go. Well, Ustream got bought out by IBM. And IBM is, you know, a big computer company. And they yep. basically said, your hosting account is about to be done. Your $10 shared plan that you were on as a feature partner with us is about to go away. And if you want to continue hosting with us, you're going to have to start paying $1,500 a month. And as you grow, it's going to be about $2,000 and become $2,400. And I was like, uh, we're an independent local production thing that does our stuff. And we can't afford that. So boom, Ustream went away. At the same time, GoDaddy came to us. And I love GoDaddy. I've been using it for years. I'm not trying to slander them in any way, shape, or form. But they came and said, uh, you're doing about 100 to 120 terabytes of data transfer a month on a $15 hosted shared account. You can't do that. And I'm like, what? You said we have unlimited bandwidth. You say we have unlimited storage. So I had to reform everything back in 2018. So I took my brand, I took my show, and I contacted some people. I have industry contacts. And I said, hey, Twitch, would you like to have a regularly scheduled DJ show that features A-list celebrity DJs and local DJs? And I managed to get in front of the right person at the time and they said you're in and i was like cool we sat on it for a few months but a couple months later twitch debuted us on the front page of their website we had over 2400 people watching with 50,000 views in about an hour and a half it was monumental it set everything in motion that said whoa this is a platform we want to be on and you're right twitch was known as a video game platform in the conversations that i had up until march of 2020 i would go out to people and say hey have you ever heard of twitch they and they go what are you talking about what is twitch most would say isn't that a video game platform and i have to explain to them saying okay let me put it to you like this google owns youtube amazon runs twitch can I put it in perspective for you like that? And they go, oh, but even then, when I was having the live streaming conversation with them, they would say, oh, well, I would never watch live streaming. I don't do that. I don't have enough time for that or what's going on. So what happened is where the conversation that I used to have with people that would say, oh, what is Twitch? Isn't it all about video gamers? And I say, no, it's a live streaming platform. I have to make that connection with them. I'm saying, hey, do you remember what YouTube was back in the day? And Everyone goes, yeah, I've watched a million videos on YouTube. I say, well, Twitch is a live streaming platform. And they go, well, maybe it won't be around. Maybe nobody's backing it up. I go, do you know a company called Amazon? Amazon backs up Twitch. Just like Google backs up YouTube, Amazon backs up Twitch. I go, and they go, oh, and we live in Amazon land, by the way, coming from yes. Seattle, Washington. So they're even more so in my environment, like, oh, Amazon backs it up? So my conversation has switched to now where I had to convince people to believe in what we were doing with streaming online, live online. So now they say, are you streaming live? And I go, yes, we already are, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, do you find that a lot of podcasts are going over to Twitch now? That's a very, very honest question. I've been podcasting for 15 years. I love the idea of podcasting. I love the ability that people can do something, put it out there and put it online. Our shift when I went in 2009 that moved to a live streaming platform that also podcasted, 
I said 10 years ago, this is where the future is going to go. And if you're, if you're going to do one, you got to do both. And if you're doing, if you move into live streaming, you got to be podcasting. If you're podcasting, you're going to move into live streaming. And if you're not doing that, well then, okay, that's cool. But you're going to have to move into live content. And if you don't, unfortunately, people can download and assimilate in the aftermath, but people want here, now, ready, what's going on. That's what's happened. And then make it a post distribution. Coming from a broadcast television world, we only had one chance to put it live on TV. And if you were watching it live on TV, it was gone. You never saw it ever again. Now you can go live and then podcast it. But back in the day when podcasting came out, you could do it, put it out there, and it could remain out there forever. But if you go live, you can disseminate it right there and then have people tune in and watch it later. I'm a live streamer. Heart and heart and through after everything I've ever seen and done coming from broadcast television. I love podcasting. I think it's one of the greatest things in the world that's ever happened. But live streaming is where it's at, at least with what we do. So basically, like if I'm producing a show, so I'm going basically trying to set up interviews, trying to do uh, the podcast recording, doing into the editing, doing so I'm working on all aspects of everything that's going on. If you're just doing the production end of it, what are you working on with each show? You actually just described everything that I do pre-show. And so you do everything to the public. They don't know what we do behind the magic curtain. We work magic and then we produce a show and they think, oh, I just got this guy on we're talking and we're behind the scenes and all this magic happens. There's so much magic in the industry that people don't understand that goes into the work of what we do to make the show happen. Yesterday, take it for example, I show up on site, I'm there at 10.30. My show doesn't start till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I do a four-hour show. We break down. I don't bring my gear back home till 8 o'clock at night. So basically, I'm on site for 9 to 10 hours just to produce a four-hour segment of two separate live streams of what's going on at the same time i'm marketing that i'm social media that i'm doing all the work behind that and watching make sure the lights camera action the magic is happening i believe that people don't really understand what it takes to make a show happen and i agree with that i mean before i started doing the podcast i never knew how much work was going to be going into it between the editing between communicating with guests between trying to build a community with other podcasts podcasts and trying to just gain an audience, all the social media that you have to do, trying to get to know people. We didn't think that there was that much work behind it until you started doing mm-hmm. it yourself. And now that we're doing it ourselves, we realize the work that goes into it. I've, I've had some close personal friends of mine that have said, it's really easy. All you do is pick up a camera and go film people. And I'm like, really? You think that's all that goes into this? <laughs> yeah. Okay, go ahead and try it. Go ahead and try it. Far from it. Wow, this sucks. And I'm like, yeah, it sucks because you went into it with that attitude. I go into it with a way of life. You go into it thinking you're going to get instant gratification or something that you're going to think that this is going to, I can film, I can do It's like, no. I've been spending 28 years of my life in this industry trying to make it happen, making it happen. And now we're now getting the kicks and the rewards of of just even inkling back, not even monetarily, not even in the cash standpoint of what we put into. And if I had to put out penny stock on my company, which I've I've thought about doing and say, hey, if you want to invest in my company and you want to see our financials, just buy a penny stock and you'll see how much work we've done, how what's called goodwill. We've done 
hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars of goodwill on our brand. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting at a poker table one night with a couple of friends of mine. And they said to me, one of the guys says, how much would it cost you to buy you out of the DJ session? Maybe a mil, maybe two mil. I look at the guy and say, how about 15 to 20? And he goes, you put in so much work, so much behind your brand to sell you out and never do this ever again to cut you out? 20 to 30 mil? Okay. Fair enough. But his first initial reaction was to think I would sell what I've been doing for a million dollars. And to a lot of people, a million dollars is a lot of money. Well, you come from a production standpoint and going, wait a second, 10 years? Even if I just valued that at $100,000 a year for 10 years, that'd still be a million bucks. But I've been doing it for 28? Wait a second here. And all the, the tips and tricks and industry people that I met, and even if I wanted to hire and bring on board everyone that I worked with, I couldn't sell them short, I'd have to hire them at a decent livable wage of what they've been doing. So it's up the value at least 8, 12 times that. Which means we're talking 8 to 12 million dollars on everything we've ever done over just the last 12, 10 years just to pay everyone their value. And people don't understand that's what it takes. That's what's going in this. And what we do in keeping it going without being paid that becomes no longer a paycheck. It becomes a religion. It becomes it becomes faith. It becomes we believe this is going to happen. Not for the paycheck. At the, at the end of the game, money is not the endeavor. It's our passion that really makes us keep going forward because we believe in it and it needs to happen. And I think that's probably the best way that you can put it and then the message that you're trying to get out. Not too many people talk about it being a passion. They chase the dollar. And of course, the dollar is going to be a reward, but not many people talk about having the passion to do what they're doing. Oh, I've been criticized by even my best friends by thinking that I'm all about the money, the money, the money. And I'm like, I need the money because I run a business. The money is not me to be rich. And I'm not trying to be Puff Daddy and Kanye West and be up there. The money supplements the business to grow the business endeavor. It's not about the money. It's about being in effect and running a business that can keep substantiating the endeavor of what we're doing. Because at, at one point, you're going to say, I can't keep paying my paycheck through this hobby. I got to kick it up a notch. How am I going to kick it up a notch? Well, I got to do a good product. I got to put something out there that people want to be into and buy and I can sell sponsorships and those sponsorships will then give me money to make it happen. It's not about the money. I mean, if you're really into it, you're not into it for the money, but you're into it for the growing to get more people to want to hear your vision, to get what you want to share to the world. And that does, unfortunately, it does take money to do that. We're going to take one more break to help out another podcast. Hey, everyone. I am Nick. And I'm Russ. And if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well-informed, highly educated, and safe to share with your whole family, that's not us. Nope, it's not. But here at the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything podcast, we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it. That we do. New episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. Check us out at nickandrust.com. And find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more, including YouTube. Thank you, and I love you all. Mwah! That was Nick and Russ from Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything. Make sure you tune in and hit that subscribe button. So I'm going to probably end this interview here, but I want to ask you about a story that I read on your website. It's a blog. And uh -oh. there was a uh -oh. blog there that said that there was a Seattle company that I guess... <laughs> 
just I guess they just they um, disguised as a religious service for a rave. Yeah. Can you tell people about that? It seems very interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, this is one of the this is one of my coup de grace best stories I ever got invited to be a part of was when this all hit and a good friend of mine reached out to me, production company that does all the lighting for the major company around town on the West Coast. They said, hey. We're going to throw this drive-in rave. And I'm like, a drive-in rave? Okay. Because I was raving. I was going back. I used to go to the dance clubs. I'm like, okay. And you want me to stream this live? I'm like, okay. How are we going to do this? And he said, here's what we're going to do. We went through all, and they had like three attorneys that that, that got everything down. And by the way, we're writing a playbook on how to do events right now and social distance. But in this time, they said, we got everything down. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the first ever drive through raid and i was like that's a brilliant concept that is really cool and so what happened is the COVID bat productions came in and said we have our warehouse we're going to put all our lighting up and we're going to do this thing with its a-list celebrity djs and we're going to have people that are going to drive in with their cars and watch this concert for an hour and they're going to drive away and then we're going to bring in the next round of people and we're going to drive them in and they can watch the rave. And then we're going to drive out. And it was just a beautiful production. And I mean, if you can watch the video footage, and we filmed it all at our site, the, the DJSessions.com, you can watch this footage of what we were part of. It was just at the time, nobody, we were the first ones that ever did this in the world when everyone was trying to figure out how to do something. But they build it and how they got around all the regulations was it was a spiritual awakening to praise to your higher god through music and the state said okay you you can do that you can actually let's see how this happens and we did it three times three or four times and what i took from it was i hadn't been out to nightclubs or in big venues or anything for a long time but being behind the scenes and working it and being on the stage and doing the video for it i realized wow the world is missing the community is missing a gathering they're missing a big production they're missing something and to to be backstage and see that happen i didn't realize how much i missed it even though i don't go out that much anymore i don't go out and partake in local nightlife or local scene i was like this is awesome this is really really amazing i guess that's one way of getting around some of the regulations that have been put out because of of everything that's going on yeah unfortunately in our state our governor came down and said you're not allowed to do drive-in concerts and so it kind of put the kibosh on the whole you can't do that anymore us though as the dj sessions we do what's called our safe silent discos and we can still bring the party quote-unquote the event quote-unquote to the beach and do what we're doing it's interesting times. I have so many friends and so many people that I've known over the years that are devastated by this. Uh, the entertainment industry is just at a stand. It's not at a standstill. It's at a devastating point. And we really want to push forward to getting our legislation to say, do you recognize this? Can you help us out? And we're kind of last on the chopping block. It really sucks. It really sucks. They, they actually want to shut us down basically. And the DJ sessions, we have figured out a way to still keep that alive through all of this. 
you know, and then make it happen. The drive-in race should be allowed. The drive-in concerts should be allowed. There's no denying if you're going to allow people to go to drive-in church and go to drive-in movie theaters, the drive-in concerts should happen. I believe over the next six to nine months, we're going to see more of these pop up and do it. And it will become, it will become a norm. I mean, you're in Canada, but I don't remember the drive-in movie theater. I remember going to the drive-in movie theater as a kid and it was awesome. You know, all of us would pile up in the van, we'd go to the theater, we'd sleep on top of the roof and we'd see this big screen movie theater and everyone was there and sent. It was cool. But you can still do that now, but are we going to see that happen in the entertainment world? That's the key. Entertainment. They're doing it in Europe and they're getting cleared over in London to do the drive-in raids. But the States, they're kind of like locking it down going, you can't do that. You can't do that. I'm like, wait a second. But you're allowed to do it here. You're allowed to do it here. Or not allowed to do it here? Nope, that's not compute. Well, I mean, hopefully everything clears up soon. Everything can get back to normal. Everyone can to re return to their normal duties and we'll be able to see everyone get back to just maybe better than normal. Um, I mean, here's hoping for the best. It's a very it's a very tough time for everybody right now. But I mean, like we said, I mean, throw them a bone. Hopefully we get through this and, and everything goes back to normal or better than normal. And, you know, we all just are able to get through all of this together. That's a whole nother conversation. I would love to jump on you with a whole nother, a whole nother conversation about the industry and the effects of what's happening on the industry. Definitely. That's a yeah, whole nother definitely. talk. We can totally That's another interesting conversation. Definitely. That's a whole nother talk on that. So <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to actually wind up this interview right now, but if there is anything that you want to promote on here, any social media channels that people can reach out to you, anything, any final last words that you want to give, here's your chance. Well, definitely. I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time to interview me and everything. And if people want to find out more about what we do, they can go to the DJSessions.com. They can hashtag us, the DJ Sessions. They can always at mention us, the DJ Sessions. Just find us online. We're out there. Twitch, the DJ Sessions, the DJ Sessions, the DJ Sessions. That's what we're all about. And just find us and, we, you know, we're going to be here doing our thing. You're going to be doing your thing. I'm going to post this episode. I'm looking forward to having a go out there and, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Awesome. I, we want to thank you for coming on today's show. And like you said, I mean, we'll get together again. We can talk about the effects on the industry with COVID and we'll definitely touch base again. So thanks again for coming on the show. Awesome. Totally love it. Thank you so much. Here we go.